please be seated. I think that most of you know that I'm hard of hearing. I wear hearing aids in each ear. And uh, hearing aids help, but sometimes they don't do quite enough. And uh, what they do is they amplify sound and they send it into your ear and your brain interprets what it hears and then sends it to your mouth so you can speak. Except for when even with the amplification you don't necessarily understand what the sounds are supposed to mean, your brain will try to make sense out of them. Example, I, uh, if I'm in the kitchen and, and the phone rings or the dryer beeps, the microwave beeps, whatever, I'll hear all these random noises and in my mind I think I understand what they are, but my brain's hard at work creating something that unites them all. And so suddenly I'll turn to my wife and say, do you hear somebody somewhere playing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club <laughs> And she'll go, why no, I don't. What do you mean? I said, just listen, and we'll listen. I'll go, see there, and there, and there. And she'll go, honey, that's the dryer and the microwave and the telephone. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? This instrument up here is wonderful, except for when it steers you wrong. So Friday morning, I was at a 12-step meeting, a group I regularly go to, and our speaker was giving a really good talk. And then all of a sudden, he said something that just really caught my attention. He said, I have recently realized that I am a pizza freezer. A pizza freezer. I thought, I know this guy, he's a firefighter. He doesn't work in a factory freezing frozen pizzas. And then he, went, then he said it again, he says, in fact, I've been a pizza freezer my whole life. Now, what is this guy talking about? And then all of a sudden, I realized he was saying, I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I've been a pizza people pleaser my entire life. Go figure. But I wanted to raise my hand and said, I'm a, free, a pizza freezer too, because I am definitely a people pleaser, right? I don't know anybody that doesn't care about what other people think about them. We all want to have our, uh, our colleagues, our family, those around us think well of us. And sometimes fear of saying or doing the wrong thing will keep us from saying or doing something that we really ought to do. That's called people pleasing, among other things. There's the opposite sort. Well, somebody says, well, don't you just love those giants? And I don't like the giants because I want them to like me. I say, oh, yeah, they're doing great. Go Dodgers, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, but that, that desire to please people, while it's, it's not bad, because if we go around irritating people every the t all the time, 
either we're trying really hard to be jerks or we're just naturally that way. But I don't know too many people who set out to aggravate folks. But we can run into trouble when our people-pleasing blinds us to what's there in front of us. Example in today's Gospel. Jesus, after his initial ministry, returns to his hometown. People there have heard the buzz. You know, there's this guy, Jesus, he's from, he's from that little town over there and he's healing people and he's teaching with a lot of authority and he still storms. Wow. And they're thinking, we know this kid. <laughs> Why, we remember the night he put frogs in Joseph and Mary's bed and Mary started screaming in the middle of the night. Boy, did he get in trouble, you know. They're thinking they know who Jesus is because he grew up around him. And so they're not open to see who he is. They think, well, he's just a carpenter. He's Joseph's son. Where does he get off thinking he has something to share with us? He's getting too big for his britches. But the saddest part of it is that because they couldn't see in Jesus a teacher and an exemplar of the way to God's reign. Jesus couldn't do much with them. It says in the Gospel, I think, a couple of the saddest verses in all of the Gospels. Jesus said, or it says, and he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. You ever had that experience where you you have something that you want to share and people kind of blow you off because they think they know who you are, what you're going to be like. Sometimes it's like, well, I remember when he used to be a troublemaker in school, so he's, he was up to no good then, he's up to no good now. You know, we write people off because of something they may have done in the past. We forget the possibility that it might have changed. Maybe they grew up. Maybe they became adults. When I went to my 30th high school reunion, I walked up to the registration table, and Nina and Lori were sitting there. Now, I went to school with Nina and Lori from th fourth grade up through high school, and they looked at me, and granted, I'm a little taller, and my voice finally changed, and you know. And they said, are you here for the high school reunion? I said, yes, I am. And they said, well, Excuse us for asking, but who are you? <laughs> I said, well, I'm Peter Chan. Peter, you grew up. <laughs> yeah. We just remember you as this little pipsqueak. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, we uh, sometimes we just don't get it. So how do these two things fit together, being people pleasers and not getting it? I think they, they come together in terms of what we're hearing in the Gospel and the readings this morning in that sometimes because we want to have people approve of us, we don't say or do things that would be useful or helpful or edifying to them because we're afraid of rejection. 
and rejection is something that Jesus shows us in this gospel is an inescapable part of being a Christian since the very first Christian walked this earth. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you're going to share that with people, you are going to experience rejection. And sometimes it'll be about the message, but often it'll be about you. And if we allow that, if we allow that anxiety about being rejected to keep us from sharing about this amazing God who is a God of love and forgiveness and grace, giving us far more than we deserve, a God of justice who wants all people to be happy and prosperous and healthy. If we allow ourselves to not share that message, because that way we can avoid rejection, what we do is we deprive people of the chance to hear something that could make a difference in their lives. Now it's not a guarantee that it would, and there's always the possibility that they would reject it, but you know sometimes those seeds get planted and it takes them a while to germinate and when the time is right they'll finally bear fruit. I heard about Jesus for years, but all I could see was you all. This Jesus guy was kind of interesting, but you all, I wasn't so sure about. So I ignored the message. But that message slowly grew in me until I realized that the message had more to give me than my not being sure about you had to do to protect me. It wasn't so much that you wore me down as that the good news that God continued to speak into my life, the offer of transformation, led me to look at you with different eyes. And then I saw that you too were being transformed. And that's when I said, I think I'm ready to sign up for this outfit here. This church thing that I always said I would never be a part of. Because by God, if God can change them, He can certainly change me. So we don't want to deprive people of the opportunity to hear something which could make a difference in their lives. But we all know that Episcopalians don't do that, right? We don't tell other people about our faith because we don't want to offend them. Garrison Keillor, back when he was in a little bit less of a doghouse, once said that um, Episcopalians are the church that does everything in extremely good taste. <laughs> extremely good taste. And the worst thing an Episcopalian could do would be use a salad fork for the main course. <laughs> but we are so afraid of offending other people or being rejected that we don't risk sharing the good news. We don't risk sharing our experience. That's all we have to share. 
We don't have to quote chapter and verse. We just have to say, you know, I was going through a really rough time. My marriage was in trouble. And then I had this experience in church where it made me want to change. And that was the key to making my marriage come back alive. That's, that's a true story. That's me. My wife and I were talking about divorce, but we couldn't afford it. <laughs> we couldn't afford two places to live. And then, one day I went to church and I heard this message. And my eyes were opened. I said, oh my gosh. I have to go back and share this with Susan. And I walked in the door. She wasn't ready to hear the message, but she said, I don't know what's going on. But you're not the same man that walked out of that door a couple of days ago. Something's going on in your life. And I'm not sure. But eventually, that experience like one she had and here we are we just celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary so God is good when we allow God to speak to us through others or through our experiences and all we have to do is share our experiences with other people so I've become acutely aware this week after the announcement last Sunday about Annie Mertz coming to be your new rector in September, that I am, my days with you are now numbered. I have uh, suddenly realized that I have only a certain number of Sundays left to share with you what I think God is telling me to share with you. And what I hear this morning in the Gospel is that I need to tell you to not expect Annie to be the end of the journey. Getting your new rector here is not like, ah, now we can sit down and just coast. And I know what it's like to feel that way. But I want you to think of Annie as just the beginning. She is not here to do everything for you. She's not here to solve all your problems. She's not here to have all the good ideas. She is here to be one amongst you and to equip you to do the things that God is calling you to do. So I need to tell you to get ready to take some risks. When Annie gets here, I don't want you to sit there and twiddle your thumbs and say, show us what you can do. I want you to go up to Annie, maybe not the first Sunday, <laughs> but pretty quick, and say, Annie, this is what I'm good at. Help me figure out how to use that to build up the body of Christ. How to use that to draw people into a healing relationship with God. How to use my gifts, my interests, my passions to make the world a more just and loving place. And yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. That's why the average Episcopalian invites somebody to church once every 38 years. <laughs> And that's a true statistic that I'm not making that up. 
I'm begging you because I have come to love you to be risk takers not just for the future of the church but for the future of this community and the world because believe me the world needs the message of God's love and hope and justice and peace now as much as any other time in my lifetime and your lifetime so Jesus didn't after he'd been ho-hummed in Nazareth, he didn't go, eh, well, maybe being this Messiah thing wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I ought to go back to Capernaum and open up the carpenter's shop again and just forget the whole thing. He didn't do that. Thank God. But he also knew he couldn't do it alone. So he picked out 12 of his closest followers and he said, you help me go and do this work. And it tells us in the gospel that they went out and they proclaimed the good news and they cast out many demons and cured many who were sick. And that's what our call is to do too. Annie can't do it by herself. God could, but God's not going to. Because you all, we all, are here to help do that work. So, be brave. Be faithful. Listen to what God is calling you to do. And then be courageous enough to take the step. Knowing that sometime you'll fall flat on your face in which case you get up, dust off your knees, and start over again. Sometimes you'll be rejected, in which case you go, hmm, that didn't go so well, maybe I ought to rephrase it the next time. But sometimes you will see people's lives transformed because you spoke a word or performed a deed that showed them that God is good. Amen. Amen.